We live in the world, which is headed and run by the prince of the power of the air. But we live by the Spirit, discerning the times. For he who is spiritual discerns all things. Sharpen your discernment. Build your faith. Listen to the Word and World Team. Minister the Word of God through conversational theology, piercing the darkness of this present evil age. Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. Welcome back. This is uh, Hampton Keithley and Bob Brandon, and we're doing our Politics Friday podcast, and this is uh, session number 17. What's our topic going to be today, Bob? The topic today, Hampton is how disturbed my spirit is. (laughs) So how about we enjoy that path for just a second? Actually, what we're going to get to is uh, Christianity and the Constitution by Eidsmo. We'll uh, continue in that book. And and we'll look at um, what, in general terms, you know, the founding fathers were thinking about as influenced by Calvinism. But before we get to that, Man, I so I have a let me just lay out what's been bothering me. And then okay. you you keep me on you keep me on the tracks, okay? Because I'm I'm about after to an hour of bunny away. trail, then I'll I'll rein you in. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's right. Okay. So you know, Paul defines it, it wasn't necessarily his purpose in this passage, but as a application of what he's saying he defines a christian and i wonder how most people in their own thinking uh in western christianity would define a a biblical christian so paul's statement right or romans 8 is the spirit there is no such thing as a christian without the holy spirit so One of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit, I think if you ask someone that was biblically literate, you know, tell me about the the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life today. I think most often they would refer to power, that that the Holy Spirit is the power. power. So I think that's the response I've gotten from quite a few people. It's not what I would say, but I I think that I would I would probably think along lines of the fruit of the spirit, you know, okay. As, as, okay. As well, maybe that's one, good of, too. One, one of the things that I think about it and the way I think that's correct. So that's a good observation, but I think the way power would relate to that is the Holy spirit is the power to produce that fruit. Okay. So, so well, I, well, see, I I'm a sit on, I'm a sit on my hands Baptist. So I don't think power, <laughs> Okay. Um, But here's here's how I would nuance it a a little more in my own thinking. Uh, Paul also says in Corinthians, 
and fill in the blank because I'm, I'm going to pause right when I say when I quote him. But okay. Paul says he he who is spiritual. And then I wonder how the Western Christians would fill in that blank. He who is spiritual does what? And the way Paul filled that in was he who is spiritual discerns all things. So right. in my thinking, you know, I, I do relate the Holy Spirit to power. I, I think that's the giant umbrella. Okay. Uh, but but I, then I would sharpen it down a little bit and say the power to discern. And that's that's what's got me really tied up in knots. And so I've been doing so much reading lately, you know, my schedule and my, my work, you know, allows me quite a bit of time to read. Boy, what a, what a blessing from God that yeah. is. Um, and a lot of that's due to my wife. Um, but so I, I get to read a, a fair amount. So I've just been devouring as best I can material is seeking out the best material I can on all, all the COVID stuff, mm -hmm. a lot of it va vaccine related. And so then, and, and here's how I do it. Um, see, see if your own practices aren't the same. My, my college major was biology, but that, that doesn't mean that was so long ago. And that, that doesn't mean I, I can read a virology book and know exactly what they're saying. I just sort of have a general background. I can maybe understand a little more than somebody else, but that's not really a great foundation. So what I do is when I, when I read uh, material that's on virology is the first time through, I just read it. And if, you know, I'm coming across some initials or vocabulary that I don't really know, I don't stop and try to figure that out because I want to read the book. So that's what I do, read the book. Then I read it again. And the second time I read it, I will go get a dictionary, you know, if it's a medical term I don't understand or abbreviations, you know, like Mike of Judy Mikeovitz will often use the abbreviation XMRV. Well, how many people that read her have any idea what she's talking about when she says XMRV? So, you know, I'll, I'll Google it and try to figure out what she's saying and go back to other places in her book. And here's what she means. X stands for uh, essentially outside of, like exogenous. Mm -hmm. So outside of the natural animal. So things that are exogenous to a human being, right, would be viruses from other animals, not from other humans. So the X for exogenous. The M is for mouse, but it's probably the Lat word for mouse, which also begins with an M. So e either way, it refers to mouse. I, th I think the Latin term is like murine or something. So exogenous to humans, mouse, and then RV stands for retrovirus. And I wonder how many people know the difference between a virus and a retrovirus. I didn't. No. No, I know I didn't. So and I'm not sure I still do, even after looking it up. But the best I could come up with was it has something to do with the retrovirus is able to use your DNA to reproduce like it can unzip your DNA, copy the RNA from that and reproduce. I, I think that's what that means. I thought that was all viruses, 
but maybe not. So I, I think that's what a retrovirus is. So anyway, her point in um, the course of her career, so she, she was prominent in the mid 80s, early 80s, and then through the 90s and uh, working a lot on AIDS. Right. And what she was finding in, in the course of those studies was that <clears throat> take a polio vaccine, for instance, which is effective. You know, when you talk to people and, and they start labeling you anti-vax, it's like, well, I'm anti-bad vax, but I'm pro-good vax, <laughs> right? You know, what a, a gigantic step in medicine to be able to vaccinate against these horrible diseases. And, you know, many of them, in effect, wiped out from the United States because of vaccine. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm pro, pro good vax. But what she's finding out is, and, and this has been for quite some time, um, that the polio vaccine, as just one example, you have to have polio virus in order to create the polio vaccine. So you've got to have a lab that, that grows that stuff and then you access it. You know, these are all government institutions. You access that cell line that contains the polio virus and then you can create your vaccine. Well, to grow the virus, you need to grow that in some kind of tissue. Well, they grow it in mouse tissue. So when you get the polio vaccine, you're not just getting the polio virus so that your body can recognize it, right? You can build up antibodies. So if you do get exposed to polio, your body can fight it right away. That's not all you're getting in that polio vaccine. You're also getting latent mice viruses because they grew the polio virus in mouse tissue. So all of a sudden, you know, from the 80s onward, you're getting a rise in autism that if, if you ever look at the curve in the, in the rise of, you know, the percentage of kids that now have autism, and then you compare that graph with the percentage of vaccines we now give children, it just corresponds exactly. So in science, right, there's a rule. Correlation does not equal causation. Right. I understand. But you st it still grabs your attention. Right? Yeah. Like, why are, why are those graphs the same? <laughs> so anyway, she's been saying since the early 80s, man, we got to rethink this whole vaccine thing because we're putting... Uh, stuff in people that's exogenous, right? It's not common to the human genome. And we're putting these viruses in people and maybe they do nothing to you, right? Maybe, maybe your system is able to handle that, but some other systems are not. We, we all have different bodies. Those are different chemistries are so subtle and so on. All this to say, so I'll read her books, for instance, three or four times to make sure I really get what she's saying. So now I'm going to take a little jump and say, so why aren't, you know, many of my Christian friends seeing this the same way I'm seeing it? Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm looping back to that concept of discernment, why I feel like I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to read this stuff until I understand it. I don't feel like he's going to beam it into me. <laughs> I feel like 
hey, I'll sit down in the chair with you. Start reading. You know, I'll, I'll point out to you what you really got to get down, Pat. In other words, you know, I'll never escape my coaching background. When I used to teach hermeneutics, uh, I'd start off that class by saying the number one obstacle to you understanding this material is laziness. If you put in the work, you'll be able to interpret the Bible. And that's how I view the Holy Spirit is not, he doesn't miraculously beam stuff to you, though he can. I, I don't want to discredit that. Um, and on occasion, he does that. But mostly, he motivates you to go pick up the book and learn it. That's why God gave you a brain, right? Yeah. So as, as I dive into this stuff, I'm just like, why aren't my Christian friends seeing the same things I'm seeing? What, why aren't they compelled, for instance, if any you know, outstanding voice from the medical slash scientific community uh, speaks out contrary to the dominant narrative, why do they get deplatformed? Why, why would you do that? Why would you silence Judy Mikovits? Why would you silence Luc Montagnier that, that won the Nobel Prize? for mm -hmm. knock, knocking out AIDS. Wouldn't you want those primary players' voices heard? E even if it's contrary, okay, let's put the data out there. One guy thinks X, one guy thinks W. Well, let's look at X and W and decide. Why eliminate W? Put them both out there and, and let the people look at that material and make some decisions. Here's another analogy because uh, I know you are not the football fan that I am. If you were, I think you'd be a Cleveland Browns fan. You think? But, <laughs> but I, I know you're, you're not into football, but you'll understand this analogy. So there's 32 NFL teams. So there are 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Those guys are highly skilled. There's 32 of those jobs in the world. So talk about expertise. Now, say 30 of those 32 quarterbacks were saying X and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers were saying W. Don't you think you'd look at W? Like, why, why are they not necessarily you should believe Brady or Aaron, but wouldn't you want to look and see why they differed from the other 30 guys? I would. And then you'd wonder why they, any, any place they posted their YouTube video where they were trying to say what they were trying to say that they were taken down so nobody could hear them. Correct. Correct. And, and so then let's, let's put um, a couple more pieces of a puzzle onto the board. Like imagine Hampton, if you and I are working on a crossword puzzle, I actually really don't like that because I feel like I've got other things to do with my time than to put together pieces of a puzzle that somebody made it difficult for, you know, made it time consuming on purpose. I've got books to read. I got other stuff to do. And if I want to see that picture that the puzzle represents, can't I just look on the box or Google it or something? But regardless, <clears throat> let's use that as an analogy. I've never seen anybody work on a puzzle any other way than starting with the edges. Right. And the reason you do that is because the edges are defined. 
it's clear that that's a sharp edge. So that must be the border. You're not gonna find a sharp edge in the middle of the puzzle. And then once you get the border, the puzzle becomes much easier to put together. You're not done by any stretch, but it's much easier to complete the puzzle once you've completed the border. So let's imagine the task of understanding what's going on with Corona and the vaccine as a puzzle. And so we're going to take some of the pieces that are on the board and try to establish a border, which will give us a context in order to understand the more complicated pieces in the middle of the puzzle. So one, one border piece is Mikevitz saying, we've been doing this for the last 40 years. We've been making vaccines through tissue, through animal tissues, not through human tissues. Sometimes they use fetal cells, you know, from abortions and so on, but quite often they're using animal tissue to grow the material that to make the virus from. That's just a fact. It, it, sounds, just it sounds, to, um, sounds to me like it would be better for humans if the tissues were, the viruses were grown in human tissue, then you wouldn't have all this mouse DNA. Sure does. Sure does sure does but regardless that's a puzzle piece and yeah. she's been vo vociferous about that and let me tell you they don't want to hear that because once they hear that two things happen uh money and accountability in spades those two things happen so they want her quiet about all that so they they deplatform her they throw her in jail literally and take other measures, right? Make it so she can't find a job in any of the government funded places. So that, that's one puzzle piece, that vaccines are troublesome. I'm, I'm not anti-vax, I'm pro-good vax. Right. So how, how do we say it on our other podcast? Uh, I'm, I'm not vaxophobic, <laughs> right? Right. Um, uh, what would I be called? Uh, I'm, I'm pro bene vax or something <laughs> who knows but <clears throat> so that's that's one puzzle piece here's another puzzle piece fauci has been in office like the premier position in government health for close to 40 years that's just a fact that's a puzzle piece within that time frame he has been in charge almost solely in charge of the distribution of $800 billion. Where's that rank him in power in the United States? I'd say pretty close to number one. Yeah, seems like it. One of them, right? He's got to be in the top five players in the U.S. He's been in there close to 40 years. And in that time, then what happens is you establish the the structure beneath you so any critical board medical board that's making decisions any critical medical institution he placed the people on those boards so he he really controls is a vast percentage of public health in the united states right here's another piece of the puzzle um, we're not drawing conclusions. We're just putting puzzle pieces out there, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I think this one is a border piece. I'll have to do more research on this, but at this point, I would be willing to place it into the border. Since the year 2000, we, uh, the United States government grants, I don't know if people knew this number, I had to look it up. So I'm assuming Google gave me the right number. Maybe that's a bad assumption, but um, the US government grants a little over 300,000 patents a year. So let's say, let's round down to 300. It's, it's actually about 315,000, but for easy math, let's just say it's 300,000 patents a year. So since the year 2000, one third of those patents have pertained in one way or another, directly or indirectly to coronavirus. Is that wow. staggering? That is staggering. What, why is that? You know what I mean? What, what the heck? I'm not drawing any conclusions from it. I'm just saying that has to figure into your thinking that, that what we're seeing today didn't just happen. That's been building for a long time. Right. Okay. Another puzzle piece. Fauci funded the Wuhan laboratory. I'm not saying why. I'm not saying what conclusion to draw from that. I'm just saying he did. That right. certainly raises the question, why? I don't have that answer. I think I know, but I don't, I wouldn't offer that to someone definitively. I would just say that's a puzzle piece. Next, if you, we've already stated this, but just to make it clear, if you speak against the dominant narrative that the public is made aware of through mainstream media, you're deplatformed. That's right. a puzzle. That's a puzzle piece on the edge. Why is that? And I, to me, you put five or six of those pieces on the border, the rest of it, boy, my mind runs 100 miles an hour. We're being deceived and it's on purpose and there's a takeover going on. Yeah. They, I, I don't know how you could conclude anything different. And much of that revolves back to the whole concept of it sure looks to me like the, the entire impetus of the um, debate where, where we are today, that the goal of the human made Corona 19 and the, the 19 I, I learned yesterday refers to the year, you know, when it, when it came out, but there have been many coronaviruses in yeah. the past that, that doesn't blow scientists away. Oh, another coronavirus. Oh yeah. You know, we've seen plenty of those, but so COVID-19, you know, refers to the, the year 2019 that is clearly human manufactured. That's not a natural virus. That's why you've seen so many patents since the year 2000 related to that. So, and, and scientists will tell you this is not a naturally occurring virus. This is, a, that, that's not, I think both sides will, will say that, that that's not really in contention. So it sure looks to me to get back to the point I was trying to make that the whole impetus of the, of COVID-19 is to get you vaccinated 
I can't say that for sure. I can just say through what I feel, this is not definitive, it's just for me personally, what I feel the Holy Spirit telling me by the research that I'm doing is that's the goal to get you vaccinated. Now, why would that be? Why, why would powers that be, the globalists, want me, an American citizen, vaccinated? Maybe it's because that vaccine isn't good for you. Maybe they're putting stuff in there in order to take the U.S. out because the U.S. is the dominant force holding back the globalists. I don't think that's in question either. I'd call that a puzzle piece on the border. We, we are the obstacle to one world government. We're, we're just way too strong as a nation. They, they can't take us over militarily, but yeah. they could, could wipe us out through a vaccine and cripple us to the extent that we just become another nation. Do you ever wonder, Hampton, why you really find no mention of the United States in biblical prophecy. Yeah, that's, I have wondered that. Me too. And in part of it, you know, you're going, well, what the heck? We weren't around when, you know, Paul's writing his prophetic passages or John in Revelation or Daniel, you know, we, we didn't exist, so I, but that's, but God knows the future. Yeah. I heard a fact the other day, um, we're, we're vaccinating all of our military, but Russia and China are not. I know you told me that. If, if that's, you know, and I've, I'm going to try to confirm that. If that is the case, that's another puzzle piece that goes on the border that, that makes you start concluding certain things for the middle of the puzzle. Right. Inescapably. But but again, my original point, Hampton, that I needed your help with was why aren't my good Christian friend, you know, people that really pursue their faith, why aren't they seeing this the way I see it? Yeah. I also have questions when I hear like the Zelenko guy say that the vaccine's gonna kill two billion people, and I'm thinking that sounds like revelation talk mm -hmm, mm -hmm. doesn't it and and so but even there let me let me elaborate on that just a little bit when we toss out the name oh we heard Zel that zelenko's not a normal guy <laughs> you know what i mean he's not a common doctor that guy he's who worked on trump when when trump got corona and if you hear his bio and the people that go to him for it, that is a frontline guy. He's, he's a clinician. You know, he's not a researcher like uh, Mikevitz, but that is, you're not going to supersede Zelenko as far as medical wherewithal. Right. Top line guy. And he's saying the vaccine will kill 2 billion people. Mikevitz said this vaccine will kill over 50 million Americans when it first came out. That was her initial statement. She hasn't backed off that. And are you not personally, so this is 100% anecdotal, but anecdotal evidence has emotional power, at least. But are you not hearing of people dying of the vaccine? 
Oh, yeah. Right. But you're not going to see that in any major media. No. So when I first heard Mikevitz, first thing I did say, how many people the vaccine would kill. So <clears throat> I went to the CDC. Who knows, you know, what kind of information you're getting from them. They're part of the corrupt system. They're, they're underneath Fauci's finger of distribution of funds. So, but they had listed, this was back in early February, 3,000 deaths from the vaccine. When I looked at that, they also had an article on the front page, you know, that I was looking at at the CDC. I don't know if it's still up. It was at the time. I know Zelenko refers to this, that this was a study done at Harvard, I think, which doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but still, <laughs> right? But still, how many events are actually, medical events, adverse events, are actually reported to the CDC? And their conclusion was one in a hundred. So let's do that math. If the CDC was in early February saying 3,000 people had died of the vaccine, but only one in a hundred of those deaths actually gets reported to them. That's 300,000 already. Well, it was, it's 13,000 deaths right now, I think. Yeah. So let's do that math. Right. 1.3 million have died of the vaccine already. And yet here's why you don't see that. If the vaccine gives you a heart attack, what do you think they list the cause of death as? Heart attack. Right. They don't go. The guy died of the vaccine. They died because he had a heart attack. So it's impossible to really track these numbers. But you're hearing anecdotally quite a bit of death from the vaccine, just like those major voices were saying. Right. So all I'm saying, Hampton, is, man, this stuff has really wound me up. And, and I believe it's it's spiritual. And I'm, I'm just seeking, you know, comfort, guidance from God. How do I complete the picture? How do I understand what's going on? So anyway, <clears throat> thought we'd start out with that. Well, that uh, cheered me up. Thanks a lot. Yeah. How'd you like that little, <laughs> little pick me up? <clears throat> but it almost sounds, doesn't it almost sound irrefutable? Yeah. Wanted to make one other, <clears throat> before we got to our original topic that we were going to do on the Constitution, Hampton, and you rabbit trailed me down all this stuff. <clears throat> I did want to put one other puzzle piece out there that again baffles me that people don't draw the conclusion I would draw from this and that's that's not you understand how I'm saying this I mean I'm just speaking on a personal level I'm not saying someone has to agree with me I'm not the focal point of all wisdom I'm just saying <clears throat> personally it confounds me why aren't we concluding the same thing. So here it is. When, um, you know, COVID had been here for a while, and so some statistics started to come in, I don't think they've changed over time, but the survival rate of COVID is over 
and it's a high 99. It's not even 99 point. It's like 99.7, I think. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I remember looking at the first vaccine guy that I, I began to study. He's from Thailand, I think, but he's he's German. He I think he runs like the German equivalent of our CDC or something. Like, very prominent virology guy. Yeah, as a German accent and all that, though he's <clears throat> from natural birth, you know, from Thailand. This was his first statement. How do you prove efficacy in a vaccine when 99.7% of the people already survive the illness? How, how do you prove that the vaccine helped anyone survive it? It's already 99 plus Right. Okay, the survival rate for polio's not ninety nine plus. Yeah, it those that it didn't kill it crippled. Right. So why is there a vaccine for COVID? You already survive it, and there are very as as far as what I can read. I'm not a doctor, so don't take my advice. But there are very effective treatments for COVID outside of vaccination, right? Hydroxychloroquine, medicines that have been used for decades without side of negative side effects. Why aren't we just treating people with that? Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine that are very, very effective. You don't need a vaccine. So why the unbelievable push to get people vaccinated, right? Oh, free ice cream, free beer, do this, do that, get vaccinated. Why? I've never seen a government push vaccination so hard. Why? That, that to me is a, a puzzle piece that yeah. goes on the edge, right? So <clears throat> you begin to form the puzzle and then the things that you truly can't figure out, you know, in, in the middle of the puzzle, that those borders help define, you know, how you're gonna place those pieces. I, yeah. I think, I think. So anyway, that that's my hobby horse for the day. I'm disturbed by all that stuff. And I hope it was a good pick-me-up for you. No, well, definitely. Can, can we turn? Oh, you want a little more pick-me-up? <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think you do, Hampton. I think you want to talk about the fallen nature of mankind, because that's what I wanted to go into before we read uh, Eidsmo on the Constitution. So, so that was that was thirty minutes of illustration. Yeah, of the, of the fall of the fallen nature of man. That was warm up. See, I'm a I'm a coach, Hampton. We're just warming up. Okay. But here's and I apologize. I didn't have my net Bible with me today, so I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard. But I want you to turn with me to John chapter two. I'm going to set this up a little bit through some narrative criticism and show you how important it is to read the word very carefully. So <clears throat> imagine we're doctors. We're, we're doctors of the word of God. And we're going to do a little exploratory surgery on the gospel of John. So one of the tools, you know how we talked about tools of analysis as far as cultural analysis uh, from Truman's book, 
the rise and triumph of the modern self. And we're going to continue that theme with the guidance of Nancy Percy. However, let's switch fields and talk about narrative literature. And within that realm, there are tools of analysis. One of those tools is repetition. So when biblical authors, particularly a genius, is a flat out genius, like the apostle John, is repeating something, it's not because they're simpletons. It's not because it's a, a reading book for a three-year-old, right? C-spot, C-spot run, C-spot run fast, right? They're, they're not repeating things to simpleton readers. They're repeating things to draw your attention to a critical point. So, for instance, at the end, and recall this as well, Hampton, when John is writing the Gospel of John, as you, you could pick any biblical author and make the same example, he doesn't write, you know, a big two because you're in chapter two and then verse one. Okay, he's just writing. He, he's writing narrative. We added the chapter two verse whatever. So always keep that in mind. Okay. But as far as reference, here's John chapter 2, verse 23. Now, when he, it's a reference to Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself. And the word entrusting is literally believing he, he was not believing himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees, right? <clears throat> the way I read that, I'm emphasizing the, the repetition, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm emphasizing the word man. So he's saying that four or five times in a row. And it's, it's almost making it kind of like awkward reading. He, he's not trying to be smooth. He's trying to tell you something. Okay. So here's what he's trying to tell you. When he goes into the story of Nicodemus or the account, the account of Nicodemus in chapter three, what he's imagine a football stadium full of 80,000 people. And when you see, like, say there's a camera on the crowd and the camera is uh, giving you a wide shot. So, so you're just really seeing the crowd, generally speaking. It's kind of a blur. You can tell there's people and you can tell there's lots of people, but you can't pick out an individual. Well, then imagine the camera focuses in on one person. That's exactly what John is doing. When he's saying, man, 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 you, you just get this broad picture of humanity. And then he goes, now there was a man of the Pharisees. Why couldn't he write it and just say, now there was Nicodemus, a Pharisee? Why say there was a man of... It's because he's showing you like a camera 
I'm going into the crowd of humanity and picking out this one guy, Nicodemus, and I'm going to put him on stage and highlight him. So that's how John's writing this. But the point beyond that is in verse 24, Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them because he knew all men. Well, what's he know? <laughs> Why wouldn't he be entrusting himself to men? Because he knows mankind has fallen. He knows that in spades, right? That's a puzzle piece. That's a border piece that mankind is fallen. So you don't trust yourself to human beings. You certainly don't trust yourself to human governments. And the, guy, the framers of our constitution knew that in spades. You do not trust the government. And so you limit their powers. You limit it as much as you can. I mean, they need to have power to, to function, right? You, you need uh, police. You, you need enforcement of the laws and so on. You need some infrastructure. You need some kind of interstate commerce and so on so business can take place. But that's all you need. You don't need these guys and you need right national defense, stuff like that. But you don't need people like Fauci to be in charge of $800 billion by himself. You don't need a president to have the kind of executive authority that can trump the courts or the legislature or the other way around. You don't need the courts to be able to trump, right? You need balance of the powers. You need checks and balances against powers because mankind is corrupt ever since Genesis chapter three. So <clears throat> let's read another, you and I refer to this all the time, but I wanna read this so that it, it truly is cemented in our listeners Christian worldview. This is an absolute building block of, of how any Christian sees the world. Just a critical passage. Romans chapter one, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed. What, pardon me, what tense? Is, is revealed. Revealed present right tense. now. How do you see his wrath revealed? right now well how many people have died since we began this podcast across the globe right Hun hundreds just since we began this i don't know those actual statistics i do have a friend that knows them but it's hundreds just since we began talking you're seeing his wrath so for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Let's pause there just for a sec. This is not, I didn't necessarily plan on pausing here, but so when, when you're putting the puzzle pieces on the table and one particular point of view is always deplatformed. Can't even say it. Won't even let that be spoken in public. 
Does that not sound like this verse? Does, yes. Doesn't that sound like other people suppressing the truth? Yeah, sure, certainly. Sure does. So uh, his, his wrath, right, is revealed against all men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Let's pause there. No one will ever be able to stand before the Lord in judgment and say, hey, hey, I didn't know. I didn't know who you were. <laughs> He's going to say, yes, you did. I made it clear to you who I am. And what you did with that truth was suppress it. But I made it clear to you. So think of that accountability. And think also, you know, we, we run into this, don't we? quite often i know i do and i and i apologize for this ahead of time because some of it i know is because of my personality but how often in conversations about spiritual matters does it turn heated pretty quick well in addition to my bad personality a lot of that has to do with people are suppressing the truth about God. Well, when you're trying to hide something and somebody else is trying to unhide it, it gets testy, right? right? Yeah. Very, very quickly. So just keep that in mind. Verse 21, for even though they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. So imagine if we, if we had, I mean, I'm picking on Fauci, but you could, you could pick on a whole host of characters, right? And I could address them directly and all cards were on the table. And I would just say, you are a fool. I don't care that you have a medical degree or a science degree, you're a fool. You're, what you're hoping to do is will come to nothing you are futile in your speculations your foolish heart is darkened professing to be wise tony you've become a fool these guys that think they're going to set up a government in the united states better than the one our founders set up are nuts there's no way socialism or communism is a better fit of government for a, a group of people of any size, let alone the size of the United States, because it doesn't conform to what's truly human nature. And the, the part of human nature we're emphasizing before we finish out this passage today is that human nature's fallen. And the founding fathers knew that. It, it was front and center of what they thought about establishing a government. They started from that principle that you really had to have uh, severe checks and balances because human nature's corrupt. And what frustrates the, 
progressives more than anything is the Constitution because it limits their power to rule on purpose. Yeah. And they, they hate that. So we will see in the remainder of our lifetimes the continued crumbling of the Constitution. It'll be abrogated. But let me finish out the passage. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Verse 24, therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. When we talked earlier, Hampton, about, you know, the present tense of God's wrath, it isn't just death. It's the corruption that he allows. I know that's hard to wrap your brain around as a believer, but he's allowing the degradation of the human being in order to demonstrate his wrath against rebellion against him. So, Verse 25, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Do you have to look any further than Truman's book no. to, see, to see those verses Right? Is that not exactly what Paul said in Romans? Right. So where do you see the wrath of God today? In the trans movement, in the gay movement? That's his wrath. That's not, oh, the unfettered freedom of the good human being. That's the wrath of God punishing those that suppress his truth. So verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, their gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Oh, those are the guys that are going to set up a better government for you? Right. I mean, do we need to read that list again? <laughs> no. But oh my gosh. So <clears throat> verse 31, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, and that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them.
there's human nature in full display. And I believe our, our government, as it was established a couple hundred years ago, was a strong deterrent to the worst of human nature. This, the United States was never paradise. It was never the kingdom of God. And it wasn't meant to be. It was meant to be the best restraint against human nature there could be until the king returned. And it functioned as such. You can look at the history of the United States economically and demonstrate beyond dispute this helped this system and country helped more people than have ever been helped in the history of the world. That's and true. they're and they're tearing that down to re replace it with themselves. Their own nature will be on full display and it'll be terrible. It, it, you will your freedoms will be out the door. Yeah, I was talking with my son yesterday, I think it was. He's reading a book and it's talking about how the uh, big business has oppressed people in America for the last, you know, 150 years and the the JP Morgans and Gould and Rock uh, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the uh, the elite. And then, you know, it's true. There has been oppression and, you know, life was hard. If you were a meat packer in Chicago and, you know, trying to find work and there were so many people wanting work that if you didn't, you wanted to complain or you wanted to form a union then they would just fire you and call in the military to shoot you. The point of the book, I think, and, you know, what my son was taking away with from it was how evil capitalism is. And, but, you know, in our discussion, I was like, but socialism is, oh my is way worse. Capitalism isn't perfect. No, but, uh, and, and the, and the flaws in capitalism can be curtailed. They're not going to be eliminated, but they can be curtailed by enforcement, right? right. You, you can write, you know, crimes, you can prosecute them in socialism slash communism. They're really the same thing. Let's just define it real briefly. So people have some very rudimentary working understanding of this. Socialism is the government control of the means of production. Communism is the government control of everything in the culture. The goal of socialism is communism. So as the United States slides into socialism, we're halfway there, the goal is communism. And that's government by a few over the masses. And if you think those few that are gonna be pulling all the strings are nice, friendly people that care about your welfare, you gotta wake up. There's never been an example of that in human history. Yeah. So there are the abuses in capitalism exist, but they can be dealt with. But the abuses in communism are almost unspeakable. Well, and they can't be dealt with. 
and you can't deal with them. And and we'll we'll discuss all that in, in future podcasts. But yeah, I understand the point of the book. But that was also the the founding fathers would not have argued with that. They never said they were setting up a perfect system. They they communicated they were doing the best they could given the fallen nature of man and the wait for the return of the Lord. In the meantime, it's the best way to do it. It's yeah. one of the old old saws, right? This is a great, I wish I could attribute it, this to whoever said it first, but it's such a good statement. <clears throat> they would say, you know, uh, a representative democracy like we have, a republic, is the worst form of government except for everything else. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that a good good way to say that? Yeah, it is. Oh boy. So well, we've already gone an hour. <laughs> I know you didn't you didn't rein me in. I was hope I was trusting my rant to you and you just let me go. Um but I think that's important stuff. And uh, we'll have further podcasts to cover you know, our basic outline of what we want to cover about the Constitution and so on. We will get to it, I promise you. I just feel it's important that we have the freedom to speak, you know, when the spirit's disturbing you. I agree. Then, then let it out. So you did a good job of listening, Hampton. I appreciate it. Okay, well, the next time we'll get into the Constitution. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. Oh,